fighting. Well, no, that's what Get we call together. in the business a podcast segment. And Chad don't like podcast segments. I said we should start podcast. Oh, he's going to get mad. I should start podcast. We should start podcast with each of us talking Look, about what's on our minds. This is my dang oh. podcast, son. I started this podcast years <laughs> ago. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to tell me what the crap to do on my podcast. <sighs> but Don't look at me. Biscuit, you got to quit that now. This is a serious show. We're, we, did you know that we are the premier ultra-running podcast? On, of all podcasts, we're the premier ultra-running podcast. Um, okay, uh, we got a full house in here today. Welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. We've got me, your host, Chad Wright. We have got Chili, the beautiful Miss Brooke Wright, and we've got tech guy back here behind the computer. What's up, YouTube? <laughs> you know, I was wondering today as I was driving home, I was thinking about all you YouTubers that are coming on here and watching this show live. What the crap are y'all doing in the middle of the day that y'all can be sitting down and watching YouTube live? What are y'all doing? How, how do y'all get on here in the middle of the day and watch the, the show live? I love it that y'all do that, by the way, but... You know what? You might ought to go out and do some daggone training, and then you can watch this show later. Well, all right. Hiram Hodges on here. He's always on here. He said he's doing surveillance. <laughs> surveillance. Okay. One all guy's right. working. You, you retired army. You ain't surveilling much other than this YouTube. If you, <laughs> you better look up, Hiram. Truck um, driving, work van. Okay. All right. Okay. So some of you can work truck driving. Son, if you're driving a truck, you better not be watching this video, man. Truck drivers watch movies while they drive trucks. That's insane. Biscuit had an idea. She wanted to go around the room here and... and Don't look at me like that. Let Ford. everyone take 30 seconds and say what's been on their mind for the week. So I, I know something's on her mind or she wouldn't have suggested that. So I'll let you kick this rotation off, Biscuit. How you like how he just craps on your idea and then like, I know. I, hey, Burke's got this idea. It's so dumb. <laughs> go ahead and do it. Okay. I'm trying to process that right so now. So everybody's going to go around and say, take 30 seconds to say, Brooke said what's on their mind, what's been weighing on them, maybe what's happening in their lives funny. or something or, funny. It's yeah. really just an opportunity for us to talk without you interrupting us. So the viewers, the viewers may actually like this. Um, you only get 30 seconds. So, yeah, but my time hasn't started yet. All right, Biscuit, you're up. What's been going on with you? Two things. So, super, super grateful, not to shift from like funny to serious, but um, we had a bad shooting here in Rome this morning. Did y'all hear about that? No. At Chick fil A. Dang. It was a, a murder suicide. At the store? At the store. Oh. And. Well, somebody that goes to our gym, I don't think he would mind me saying his name, but I'm not going to, came in and I was like, he was still in uniform and I was like, how you doing, buddy? He's like, I'm all right. And he had to respond and he was one of the first ones there. And he gave me like a little snidbit of what he dealt with. And it dang near traumatized me just hearing what he witnessed. And I was just thinking, I was like, this guy is making probably, I don't even want to guess. I'm, I'm, it's not enough. And he's got to go. And he said that's the second one in seven days that he's responded to. 
And so I just left the gym this morning just really in awe of our first responders and their ability to witness these things on a daily basis and then go home to their families. And just I'm just grateful because it's a total sacrifice because they don't get paid enough. They don't get treated well enough. They don't get enough training or support from the community or our government. And I'm just grateful. What was the second thing? Um, I wasn't going to come on here today. And Joey came up to me after the CrossFit workout. And he was really kind. And he was like, I really appreciate what you said on last week's podcast. And I was like, okay, I'm going to come be on the podcast. The listeners love you, boo. Some of them, I mean, I think we have all different types, you know? We have people that agree with, we have all the personalities here, Mm -hmm. so we have everybody agrees with different people, but I just, sometimes I just feel like the hippie, like, everybody should love everybody, like, kumbaya person on the show, and I leave thinking, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. So Joey was just really nice to me this morning, and I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, we're glad you're here. Blake, you're up. Uh, well, I think probably what I've been thinking about, we had a, I've had a terrible time with some things here at the house and power going out and just too much stuff to do. And I got pretty aggravated yesterday and yes, you did. Um, that was funny as crap to me. I usually don't sway too hard one way or the other, happy or sad or mad, but I was aggravated yesterday and really it just made me think that. Most of the time when we get aggravated, it's because we expected the day to go a certain way, and it didn't go how we thought it would, and so we have these unmet expectations, and that really just produces the aggravation because there's things that you want to do or you'd rather be doing. And so once you can let go of that and you just say, well, this is what i got to do today, it's a whole lot less aggravating. And so that's probably all I would share. That was my thought for yesterday as I was aggravated most of the day. (laughs) Getting the fridge and bunk beds and going to dump hauling beds off and all this crazy stuff. So, and Brooke come over and met the contractors for me here. So I appreciate that, Brooke. You're welcome. You had a lot going on. Chad told me you I were did not a having lot. a good day. I did a lot for you too, Blake. I ran for five hours yesterday. So yeah, man. I, you're welcome. I appreciate that, Bubba. <laughs> you're welcome for helping you out by doing that. What's up, what's up with you, Chelly? Well, I got a new shampoo this last week. <laughs> I got uh, what the crap? I mean, I I don't I don't really like it. It's I'm I'm losing my hair on you, my head. Are you being funny? No, and uh, so I got this I got this scalp defense hair regrowth shampoo. Smells like a uh, patchouli. You ever heard of that? Oh yeah. You ever heard of tele? Patchouli, yeah, and orange. You sweet. gotta apply that from the inside out, bo- bottom, the bottom up, and the bottom up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> patchouli and sweet orange, and uh, I don't like it, but it's. Uh, I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it works, and I've also been eating little, these new little candies. I like them. Chili, chili, all the time. He's trying to make a mockery out of this segment. Chili's all the time about that hair product, man. One night we was in the hotel in Utah, and I said we ain't got no shampoo. 
he just busts out some conditioner right out of his hey you need some conditioner bust it right out of his pocket i said dang man so he's all the time with that hair product. yeah if he ain't watching sports he's thinking about how he can take better care of his hair yeah wait yeah. Uh, two questions what's the candies well, i think i'm over my 30 seconds yeah that is true you're not we can't okay all right camera switched to chad <laughs> What's um, uh, what's on my mind? Well, I've had a stomach ache for the last two days because I accidentally swallowed some antifreeze. And you think I'm, that's what it was? I thought it was the bad rice. It could have been, but I swallowed some antifreeze, and I figured I that's what rice. gave me some stomach ache. I'm just wondering when my stomach's going to stop hurting. But, you know, at least I don't got to worry about my pipes freezing up. <laughs> By the way, I don't suggest swallowing antifreeze. Um, what's also on my mind, wondering when I'm going to actually get my Land Cruiser finished. And a thousand miles at a time, man. <laughs> and then what else is on my mind? That I'm so much stronger easy i'm so much easy. physically stronger and mentally harder than anyone else that um it's going to be absolutely ridiculous that i'm getting ready to crush all of you and if you think you can beat me you're lying to yourself if you think you're training harder than me you're lying to yourself and um that's just the reality of the situation I am not going to let you come on the podcast again if you keep doing that. Today's episode is actually going to be my favorite type of episode. Q&A. Aunt B and Chili are going to be answering or asking the questions. So this is like an opportunity for you guys to interview us. I really enjoy this format. And since YouTube, since you guys suck at asking questions... Oh. Uh, I got all the questions off of my Instagram page. <laughs> I made a story post this morning, and there's like, we're not going to get to all of them. There's probably, I don't know, well over 100 questions on there, but Brooke and Chili are going to ask the questions. Um, before we dig into it, I want to thank everyone who supports 3 of 7 Project on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, you are a huge part of what we do here uh your contributions on patreon actually allow us to focus on doing what we do best right which is training people um hopefully having conversations that help people uh doing what we do best in, in all aspects of our work here it's a big deal so if you want to support the show, if you want to support 307 Project, join us over there. Patreon, it's not a fan club. It's a private platform. I just released the 20th episode of the Nuff Said podcast yesterday. We have tons of other live calls on there that have been recorded called Resurrected. It's a show we've been doing for a couple of years. It's all Bible-based content and conversation. Um... We've got our range series up on Patreon. 
We do a lot of fun stuff over there. Try to give back to you guys for your contribution to us here at 307 Project and to the mission. So thank you. This episode is also brought to you by our partner, Hoist, our hydration partner. You know, strange to me, I had a guy, <laughs> I had a guy come up to me last week, and um, he was talking about our our partner Barbell. He said, "Hey man, uh, I gotta I gotta ask you an honest question. Do you really like those clothes?" Because I know that I know that like they are your partner and they pay they give you clothes they pay for ads this and that but do you really like them I mean come on dude and I was like dude I I would not let someone pay me or I would not let someone give me something that I didn't want. Just for the just just so I would say that I liked it, like that. That's I don't know. Uh, I can't believe that somebody would think that I would just let a company pay me to say something that I didn't actually believe that uh, about a product that I didn't actually use. Uh, I guess that goes on a lot, but. I don't know. Maybe the difference between me and other people is I don't I don't need your money or your product. I, as a matter of fact, I I could I have a, the financial resources to buy anything that I want, so I don't even need you to give me anything. Um. So our partners here at Three of Seven Project, they are our partners because we actually l- love and use the product on a daily basis. That's why they're our partners. And Hoist is one of our partners. They've been with us now for about a year, I would say. Yeah. Um, another thing, a big part of the reason that we partner with people at 307 Project, one, I need, I need something to hydrate me better, right? Because I'm training a lot. I ran 120 miles, a little over 120 miles last week. I drank a lot of hoist, and it helped me achieve that amount of mileage during that week training block. It helped me stay hydrated in, in a real way, all right? But above just having a great product, in order to, in order to be, for us to be in partnership with you, you got to be a good person too and you got to stand for the same moral values and principles and ethics that we stand for. So we want to be in a in partnership with people who are not only have a good product but are in alignment with um, our values here at 307 project and what we stand for. And Hoist is one of those companies. So if you if you work hard if you're a tradesman, if you're a lineman, if you work on a farm, if you're an ultra runner, if you do CrossFit, if whatever, if you're sweating and you're working hard, Hoist is going to help you stay healthy and stay hydrated during those activities. I've put this stuff through the ringer. 
I've used it in all environments, all situations, and it works. It tastes good, and they're amazing people with an amazing product. So if you want to vote with your money and you want a good product, go check them out at drinkhoist.com. If you don't want to join us on Patreon, the other way to support the show is to support our partners. All right? And if you don't want to do either of those, I'm still happy you're here listening to our podcast. That's nice. Yeah. So this episode is brought to you by our Patreon members and Hoist in a real way. Like, it would be difficult for us to put the show on every single week and to have all this equipment without our Patreon and without our partners. Because we would have to focus on other... We would... Heck, we'd have to focus on other things, right? So, it's really, really important, man. And I'm just always so thankful. When I started that Patreon page a couple of years ago, I thought, there's no way. There's no way anyone would, like, make a contribution just because. And now we have over 450 members who support the podcast on Patreon. It's unbelievable, man. It really is. So that's all my housekeeping for the day. Let's get into this Q&A. What's up, YouTube? How many people we got on this thing? Uh, probably like 120. <laughs> all right, YouTube. Look, if you're driving a truck, man, Colors of watch the road, guy. All right. Let's dig into this Q&A. Repeat after me, 47. <laughs> <laughs> Old Jeff Cordell. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and start off the q and I'm giving that reins to Brooke. You asked for us to host this. I just want her to do it. Yeah, he just did that 15 seconds ago, I just too. Want, I just, he just scooted the phone over and did like this. I read through him. I'm over it. I want her to field the questions. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have, I did have one it. to start off for you. Have you heard from Jeff Cordell lately? Tell, just tell the quick version of this story. I haven't heard of Jeff Cordell. Okay. All right. Uh, next? I haven't heard from him. What's next, Brooke? Is no. this podcast named Who Is Who Is Jeff Cordell? So we're just going to leave it a mystery? Kind of like the new candies that, that Chili's eating? Nobody gets to know who Jeff Cordell is? Caramels. I don't know. Do you guys want me to tell the story of Jeff Cordell? No. Okay. Tell it. I'd be ashamed if you told it. Chili said no. He's my advisor. He's the mystery man. He yeah. wants to leave everything a mystery. He's my advisor. All right. Well, I'll tell you guys about Jeff Cordell next week. All right, baby. Ready? Thanks for abandoning me, partner. I appreciate it. James that. Henderson said most of YouTube titles have nothing to do with the actual topic. <laughs> <laughs> James, that's because I just have to title these things. Chad will never tell us what we're talking about. Chad so. was sad last week, and Das wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> it was true. <laughs> <laughs> when is Chad not either sad or mad? Never. Especially when you're training. Chili, get the dang phone and help her on this q and I got, I got it. I okay. got it. Whatever. Are you? Can you not? Look, this is all. Y'all know Chili's the highest paid person at 307 Project, and look at him. He won't even help with the Q&A, man. He just wants to look at his biceps all the time. <laughs> A bunch of people said that if Chili, you would quit wearing hats, your hair would stop falling out. Well, there's probably some truth to that. I. That's not true. That's an old myth. 
Well, I've pulled it back so many times. All right, let's kick this thing off. I've now worn, hat, I've, hear y'all talking I've about worn hats all my life, and look at my hair. <laughs> oh, it looks, boy, it looks good. <laughs> all right, raining it in, raining it in. Edward dot Chavez said Chavez. It's actually C H X Vez. Thank you very much. He you want to do this? It might be Latinx. So it says, if you're not born with the drive to be successful, how do you force yourself to have it? <laughs> Boom. I think he needs to go listen to Andrew Huberman and the newest episode on dopamine, personally. She's directing him to a different podcast. Get you some dopamine. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, you know, that's a... Do you want me to reword it for you? No. I, the, the problem I have with this question is the implying that there are people who are born with the drive to be successful. People like, can have more drive than other people depending on uh, a lot of things. Well, and you have to define success too. I mean, that's Ooh, another yeah. big... Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think that that... that the, the, the drive to... Well, yeah, I mean, you could define, you could define success, but I'm I'm looking at it ultimately as like the desire to push yourself in what whatever way, uh, the desire to set goals and achieve goals, whether it's financial or fitness or family or or whatever it is, right? So yeah, d- defining success is is could be infinite because it's up to the individual to determine what is. What is success to them? But to define, like, to, to imply that someone is born with more drive to to do that, and it's just some inherent trait that they have, I don't know that that's true or not. It, it kind of reminds me of a question. I did a speaking engagement on Monday, and the person that was interviewing me for the speaking engagement asked me, um, how did you have, when you decided you wanted to go into the Navy and go to SEAL training, how did you have the confidence to, to actually take that step and to go and do that? And I was like, dude, I wasn't confident that I could do that. It, that I Like to think that I had confidence in the beginning, when I signed up, that I was actually going to make it through this training, I didn't have the confidence. Um, as I mean, I was pretty much the laughing stock of of anybody that I told that that I was going to SEAL training. Obviously, they just laughed at me uh, because I've ne- I never played sports. I was not known as an extremely intelligent individual. Uh, I hadn't really accomplished anything in life up to that point. And you're not born with this drive or this confidence. It's something that is built along the way. So you just have to take the first step. You actually have to commit to something. And then as if you stick with it, if you stick with the process and you start to get these, you know, you, you, you get these little wins along the way, 
you commit to it, you get these little wins along the way, or you face these challenges along the way and you overcome the challenge because you stick with it. When something tries to stop you, you get innovative and you find a way around it, like me with my heart surgery, right? Those are the things. The confidence and the drive is built along the way. Everyone out there has the ability to, to decide what it is they want out of life, and then everyone has the ability to make the choice to take the first step, okay? But if you think you've got to have some some level of drive or level of confidence before you take the first step, you're never you take the first step without anything. You just you you just make the choice, okay, I'm going to go and try this. I'm going to try to to reach this or achieve this goal. I'm going to give it I'm going to do the best I can to I'm just going to step into it, right? And if you stick with it, the confidence and the drive will build. Yes, I am a driven person. When I was when I was 17 years old, 18 years old, I was not a driven person. I was working on a stinking farm making $10 an hour. Freaking weed eating fence lines 12 hours a day, working with a bunch of illegal immigrants. I was not a driven person. What you see in me as a dri- at, I am so driven now because I've endured a process that's literally been 15 years long of just stepping in to something that I want to challenge my, that, that looks challenging, stepping, taking the first step toward a goal that I want to achieve, overcoming obstacles and achieving little success over and over and over again. And then all the while you're building these, you're building up these tools. You're, you're learning new things about yourself. You're physically and mentally getting stronger and stronger every single time. And over the span of 15 daggone years, you got enough things to look back on. You got enough things that you have overcome. You got enough goals that you have achieved that you just keep piling on to it. So it's not something you're born with, guy. Gilly. Gilly. That that's my honest answer to that. That was a good answer. Okay, next question. Good job, babe. Good job. <sighs> I'm sorry your stomach hurts. Swallow antifreeze. <laughs> so next question is for everybody. Toyota so, Red. <laughs> everybody's gotta answer this. It doesn't need to be long. So, Gress Brennan wants to know, what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Yep. Having something to aim for. Having a goal. Um, yeah, that's what makes me happy. Having something clear, like having something clear that I can aim for. And then, it was funny, Chili said the other day, he said, you don't even care about this daggone race that you have coming up. You just like what it does to your day-to-day life. You just, yeah, he's exactly right. The process is what makes me happy. But you can't, you can't be in a process if you're not trying to reach 
for something. You have to have a goal. I don't care really in all reality whether whether I achieve the goal or not. But I like having it out there so that then I can I can have some intention in my day-to-day. I can have something that I can it, it makes sense for me to grow every single day. Mine is with right now currently with running. That's what makes me happy. Having a goal that I'm aimed for and then actually executing the necessary steps in order to hopefully achieve that. When I'm aimless in life, I'm miserable, man. What about you, Chill? Uh, things don't make me happy. I knew that was good. You, dude, you're just like Courtney DeWalter, man. I listened to an episode the other day with Courtney DeWalter and Cameron Haynes, and uh, you are just—I think you and Courtney DeWalter would be best friends because she's just like you. She wouldn't answer. See, I felt so bad for Cam because he's asking her all these questions that she was just hanging him out to dry. She wouldn't answer any of them. Was she just sitting there silent? Or no, was no, she just, she, she just wasn't giving satisfactory oh, yeah, answers. Yeah, like, no, right? Like, like Cam, I would, get it. Cam Political. Would, Cam was like, "Well, what's been your favorite race you've ever ran?" And she's like, "Oh, I can't answer that. That's that. I can't answer that question. They're all my favorite." <laughs> it's like I felt so bad for this dude, man. Well, she wasn't sitting there silent. She was answering him. She just wasn't giving satisfactory answers. That's is Courtney DeWalter single. I don't know. I don't know her. No, no, she's married. You know, oh. not everybody, yeah, not everybody. You know, is gonna is gonna flower up fake answers. <sighs> okay, and make their nothing makes chili happy. What about you, biscuit? Really? You really gonna say that? That's really your answer. I'm not gonna say something that I don't mean. I mean, I'm not gonna make up something. I'm not gonna say, oh, well, running makes me happy. No, it doesn't. Oh, racing makes me happy. No, it doesn't. Oh, get, getting a new T-shirt and eating some candies makes me happy. Buying a new shampoo to try to make my hair not fall out makes me happy. No, it doesn't. Nothing. I mean, no, no, that crap makes me happy. Chili, it makes him happy if he's a tourist when he gets to do tourist things. (laughs) Outside forces don't make me happy. They don't influence my state of being. Okay, okay. All right, let me rephrase this for Chili. Hold on. No, You're just, not going to get so, an answer just, to the question. Just, just, no, uh-uh. Hold on. Chad, I, look, Chad's, I'm, I'm steering this ship, okay? Chad spends 15 minutes on every answer. We got to keep it moving. I'm steering it. So, Chili, in what states do you feel the most content? Tennessee. Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Why, Wyoming and Utah so far. <laughs> Whatever. You suck. Oh. Such a good question. Such a good wholesome question that you're just I disagree. Answering. What I makes mean, you happy, Biscuit? Um, dogs, gardening, people. And your pops. At, you fall under people. <laughs> and the woods. <laughs> All right. And what, food. What about you, tech guy? Doing emails and stuff? Yeah, just Quick technical books. things. I love to do technical <laughs> Pay, things. Paying taxes. Yep. You know, speaking of taxes, at, at what point do we just say, no, nah, we ain't doing this no more? Hey, stay on task, man. <laughs> I, I mean, really, man. Come on. Well, someone did I, ask. I, <laughs> I, I told I told Brooke the other day, I said, I am so thankful for you and Blake because 
I would be I would be on the run right now. Like I'm being dead whoa, serious. Whoa, whoa. I couldn't own anything because Brooke she, told me this the other day. It's a good she, idea not to own anything. That's what I was about to say. This is not this is not what you told me. This is what I told you when yeah. we were arguing. I he said you actually had, told me this when we were running this he told yeah, me that he was being a turd and I was like, You wouldn't have anything if it weren't for me and Blake. I was like, You couldn't own a house. You everything you have would be seized. You'd have to live it and he was like, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I I have reached the point that I, I ain't gonna do it. If bro, if Biscuit dies and Blake dies off, and oh. I'm the last one left, I I ain't gonna do it. Pop I, I ain't paying your taxes. You you're gonna have to come and get me, and I'm gonna try to kill you when you try to come and get me. So you're probably gonna have to ultimately kill me. But that's the point that I'm at. So well, that's good. Thankful for the people around me that keep me alive on this earth. Oh, well, Blake, what makes you happy? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, I would say that I feel most fulfilled when I actually help somebody, like, in a, not like just a task, but in life. Like, if I feel like maybe I made a difference in somebody's life, that's probably when I'm most fulfilled. But just generally, if you say happy, I just like to, I like to shoot and like to don't like to run but <laughs> like to work out you obviously like painting body work too yeah yeah i do i like i like tech i do like i mean the the name hints at it but i do like technical things like uh i would much rather mountain bike on a technical trail than i had just go down this long grueling road bike i'd rather do a shorter technical route i like things that are my, um detail oriented yeah you're good at that stuff He's always been that way. He yeah, used to play video games. I'll add this. You want to know what people's problems are? They worry too much about what makes them happy. And they're worried about their feelings too much. All right, Chad. That's my answer to that. But what makes you feel fulfilled, Chili? Oh, Move on to the next <laughs> dang question. Uh, do you guys... Okay, pick. Do you want ultra running or military? I'm going to do both. Which one do you want first? Military. Okay. Whole military. It's John Michael. So you've got a couple questions that all are kind of falling under the same umbrella. Would you enlist in the military currently with our leadership? No, I would not enlist in the military. Our our military is so is so just weak and pitiful right now. No, I would not enlist in the military. I tell you what I would do if I if I was anybody that was that wanted to enlist in the military I would enlist in the enlist in the US Navy I would go to SEAL training I would go all the way through buds and once I graduated buds I would start peeing my bed and then I would get out of the navy Peeing your bed Yeah what they'll let do? you out of the military if you start peeing in your bed It's like a psychological like a bad sign yeah, 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 something like that. But how did I, they... I know some guys in boot camp that they started peeing their bed, so they they got out of the navy. How does someone know you're peeing your bed? I guess. Do you some... tell on yourself? I guess. Well, I mean, you're usually living in a barracks room with other people, so if you pee in your bed, you can't really hide it. I mean, that's just what people do <laughs> to go... to get out of the navy. What's going on with this position he's in over there? <laughs> <laughs> But no, I I, I, I definitely, 
I call that mid-century fetal. <laughs> I definitely. He's hurting, man. He's hurting. I definitely would not join the military, man. Look, I, I'll be I'll be honest with you guys right now. All right, the the uh, there the let me give you the best things that's ever happened to me in my life, and I won't I won't break all these down. The in this order, the first the best thing that ever happened to me in my life is that I gave my life to Christ. I chose to repent and follow Christ and accept Him as my Lord and Savior. The second best thing that ever happened to me is that I married my wife Brooke. The third best thing that ever happened to me is that I joined the U.S. Navy. The fourth best thing that ever happened to me is that I got out of the U.S. Navy. <laughs> All right. Larry Bird said, if you crap the bed, they'll notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there is no way. I, I, you know, and somebody else, I, I, there's another question on there about the military that I saw. There was a, a, a gentleman on there that maybe you can find the question, but he asked, how do I get over the fact that I never deployed yes. while I was in the military? He said he feels like a fraud. That he feels like a fraud. Man, come. Hey, man. That's David Runs. I, I got word for you, brother. Um, first of all, everyone who has served in the military the what makes you different than everyone else has nothing to do with how many deployments you got it has nothing to do with what you did while you were in the military the foundation of everyone who has served in the military what makes you different what makes you stand apart from everyone else is that you had the courage to go and sign your name on the dotted line and for whatever reason to serve to, but ultimately you're you're serving your country hopefully for the right reasons but no matter the reason you still had the courage to sign your name on the dotted line and say okay I am going to step into this I'm going to go and do this um, and whatever comes uh, you're essentially writing a check a blank check that's payable for up a price up to and including your life all right and a very small percentage of human beings have the courage to do that and that's what sets you apart it has nothing to do with with your with your deployments or or any of that stuff and and here's the second thing that i want to say about that your career in the military do not let that define you. Do not let your career in the military define who you are. You say you feel like you're a fraud and this and that. Look, your service in the military and whatever you took from your service in the military, that's just simply a part of your story, right? And also, in the military, you don't get a... You, you do what you're told, if you served in the military, like you're you made an awesome commitment. If you didn't get the opportunity to deploy anywhere, that ain't your fault, man. In the military, you do what the crap you're told. You have to go where they tell you to go. It ain't like you can say, yeah, um, raise your hand. Yeah, send me on deployment to the you know, the, the, the hottest combat zone that is, right? You, you don't have a choice in the matter, dude. So stop 
that's not your fault, man. Here's another thing. The reason I say being in the military is just a part of your story. Being in the military is, is not the pinnacle, man. Deploying in the military is not the pinnacle. The military... The military is largely a very subpar organization. All right? It's a great thing. You can learn a lot in there, especially in your young years. But it is not the pinnacle. You can do so much more out here. And actually, life out here, it's a lot harder out here than it is in the military. But you can achieve so much more because you're not you're not being restricted by the bureaucracy of the military. So, man, please don't feel that way about yourself. You had no control over that. Look at your time in service as a honorable thing that you that you did. You set yourself apart from ninety nine point nine percent of other people. Because you wrote a blank check to the U.S. government, payable for a price up to and including your life, you were willing to go and do whatever they told you to do, you showed up. And that's what makes the difference, is that you showed up. So, I'm going to tell you, man, you have the opportunity right now out here to achieve an infinite amount of success. You have the opportunity out here to push yourself and grow infinitely because you're no longer bound by the bureaucracy of a broken system that is the U.S. military. So I want to encourage you, man. You're a special dude. Because you signed up, you did a great thing that makes you part of 0.1% of the whole population. But it's just a little part of your story. So carry on, brother. Good answer. Um, this one's for Chili. Uh, not underscore Herschel said, any updates from the Space Force, Chili? Not that I can give to the public. 10-4. All right. That was a good question. <laughs> Can't you expound on that a little bit more, Chili? Well, sure I can. I mean, look, I'll, I can say that I've <laughs> we've had a lot going on, man. You think those spy balloons was something big? <laughs> you wait till June twenty second this year. <laughs> what the crap? Okay. I, I, you know, I've got a, I've got so much more to say on on the military, but oh. I, I don't I don't know that there's any purpose in saying it, so I'll probably just keep my mouth shut. Well, no, what? <laughs> what? He said that because he wants y'all yeah. to encourage him. Well, to yeah, say I it. mean, like, why in no, the man, world I, I, would I, you say I, something I, like that? <laughs> this, I, look, this man, here, here's here's the here. Let me tell you, man. Uh oh, I, I could. Again, there, there's there's so many things that I could say on this subject, and uh, 
people have made some great sacrifices in service to our nation, right? And people have done some amazing things, and there are there are some really good people that serve in the, in the military. But I feel I, I don't even feel like as I've noticed, um, just in our culture today, especially when we look at a community like the SEAL teams. It's been it's it's been elevated to this this thing that it, that it, it it's almost mythical. Like it's been elevated to this position of like you know whatever the 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 best the the top of everything and you can just never achieve any more anything higher than that. That wasn't let me tell you man, if you remember the podcast I did with um was his name Mike Ritland? Yeah, you remember when he started asking me about my military career, and and I I li- I made the statement, look, man, the SEAL teams ain't what people think they are. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I and remember. I, you- I've always wanted to ex- go ahead, Chili. Well, no, I remember you were gonna. He wanted to dig into like just any stories that you had from deployments and this and that, and and you you talked about a few things but you were basically just like i feel you you were taught you were told him that you were kind of in the process of of reconciling reconciling your whole life and your career in the teams and how basically you don't like the people's perception of of it basically and I mean, he, he, I could tell he understood what you were saying. Okay. You know what? I mean, I'm not saying it well, but I, I've, I've always wanted to break this down for people, but I've always been hesitant to do it because I, I don't know that there's any, any, I'm not sure that there's any real value in it for people other than guys like this guy that, that commented he's, you know, feels like a fraud because he didn't deploy. Like there's value, maybe value in this conversation for people like him, and and, I, and again, you too, I, I too want to be respectful of guys that did make great sacrifices in in the military and those types of things, but the the real the the truth about it is is like I, I will tell you a story. I can remember being uh, on a deployment, and most of you guys think that people in the military or especially people in special operations guys in special operations are like just these just these bad to the bone like every single one of them are 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 you know cutting edge and just always working and pushing and challenging themselves and all this and like it's it ain't that way man it it ain't what y'all think it is um I remember being on deployment one time and the the Commodore was coming to our site and the the Commodore is like the head of all naval special warfare at at the time. And first of all, I'm on deployment. We we left Virginia Beach and we were deploying to North Africa and North Africa at that time there was a lot of stuff going on in North Africa and actually we we were in a pretty um, uh, a pretty risky environment there. Well, I was deploying it up there, so I didn't I didn't bring my um 
my dress, like my garrison uniform. I'm like, I'm going on deployment. I'm not going to bring a uniform with my name tag on it and my trident on it. It wasn't even on the gear list for the deployment. The deployment said, bring your combat uniform. And then we got a clothing allowance to bring, to buy regular plain clothes because for much of that deployment, we were operating in plain clothes with concealing our weapons. And I remember the Commodore comes out to this site that we were at. We had moved from North Africa to a, a different location. The Commodore comes out and he said, and he announces before he comes like, Hey guys, uh, if anybody has any, any questions, uh, for me, like I'm opening it up. If anybody has any, you know, gripes or concerns or whatever. Well, at the time in my platoon, we had a platoon chief that was a, a, a fat, just, you know, this guy biscuit, the guy, I mean, bless his heart. I hope he's doing well now, but he, 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 if you look, I mean, this guy was just, just physically and mentally incompetent at everything. And he's our platoon chief. And like everybody, like I was pissed off about it. Because I, at this point in my career, like I was in shape, I was working hard, like I was, you know, doing my thing. I've always been into being strong and and pushing and all that. And I remember the Commodore comes in, and you know, no, everybody's asking these stupid questions about you know the bureaucracy and this. Now I raised my hand and said, well, "Hey, what do you do if wh what the crap is this? My my platoon chief, the person you put in charge." of this entire operation is fat and incapable. Why did you put him in that position? They, they, they literally punished me for months after that, for asking that question, like asking a question, why are the people in charge not holding themselves to the standard that has been set forth by the Navy SEALs? Like, no, but you put this guy in charge. Why He's not meeting the standard. What the crap's up with that, man? So then they forced me after that because I asked that question. It pissed all of them off. It pissed the Commodore off. It pissed everybody in there off because three quarters of them were all fat and out of shape. <laughs> and so then they made me go beg and borrow and find a stinking uniform, a garrison uniform, and then they made me wear that around for the next three weeks. Because I asked the question, why are they putting people in charge who are not upholding the actual standards that have uh, that we sh that that we sh all say we uphold? Like what was their answer to that? That he didn't have an answer. He did he he gave me some polit this guy was a politician. Yeah. And, and most of the people who are in in leadership positions in the military, they are there because they're better at making themselves look good than anyone else. They really are. They write, they write their own evals. They write their own awards. They get in these positions, these high-up positions, because they become politicians. Uh, it's a broken freaking system, man. 
This this is a really good segue into two questions I was about to ask. That's perfect. I, I mean, willing. look, guys, I'm not trying to bring a bunch of negativity into your life. I'm just telling you, people are people, right? Don't put me on a pedestal. Don't think that my Navy SEAL thing completely defines me. It's just a part of my story. It's something that I did. I'm proud of myself for doing it. But it ain't what y'all think it is. It taught me a lot. Well, I think it was cool when you told Mike that your career was wrought with poor leadership and 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 things like that. And and he was just like, I appreciate the I mean, you saying that because he I mean he he's well aware that that's not talked about either. You know, and no, nah, I mean everything I, think, I learned and, and I think my, that's an ex- explanation of what you meant by that. And my experience in the teams is obviously unique. It's my experience. I mean, other people probably had great leadership, maybe had great leadership in the teams. I I didn't. I was a poor leader myself, and everybody I I didn't. I had no no example of strong leadership at all. Um and but but that was a blessing because the best way to learn how to lead is to Figure out what it, figure out what happens when it's done poorly. Yeah, hold on. So pause. So the two questions I have that I think you're you're you pretty much answered. You're about to answer. Adam Gilmore and J two four four five. Adam asked, "How do you handle poor leadership from your CEO?" Insert whoever. Like, how do you handle poor leadership? And the next one that I feel like ties in well is how do you show honor and respect to the people you really don't respect. Hmm. And I feel like, because I mean, I've gone through this with jobs. I've had terrible bosses, but they're still your boss. And like, you know, I don't know. What do y'all think? So how, the first question was, how do, how do you handle poor leadership? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, well, don't do what I did with the Commodore and just call them out for being pieces I, of crap. I disagree. Um, that's well, you, that's I, what you should do. <laughs> that's what I, I guess. If you could do that in in, in regular world, uh, then if everybody got pissed off at you, you could just leave. I didn't have that option in the military. I had to suffer the consequences of calling out the freaking bull crap. But I mean, what what do I wish I would have done? What while I was serving under poor leadership, I wish I I wish I would have been and known. I wish I I wish I would have been as mature as I am now. I wish I would have known the things that I know now, because what would I have done? I would have stepped up and I would have tried to, um, tried to become the leader. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the military you can't do that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't overstep my chain of command, right? But, but you can lead from within. Yeah, I would have tried to influence the the my my teammates around me uh, in the best possible way, right? Now, what did I actually do when I was serving with this um, individual in my second platoon? Was I just shut down, man? I just didn't talk to anybody. I just minded my own business. I did what I was supposed to do for, you know, 90% of the time. I just kind of shut down and said, I I just got to get through this platoon. I just got to get through this. And then the leadership will change, right? Um, 
I wasn't mature enough and I didn't I didn't have enough life experience to actually step up and do what I should have done. But yes, I should have if I if I was in that situation now, I would do what Blake said, essentially lead from within and try to influence and encourage my teammates around me. Well, but that doesn't fix the problem of you having a piss poor uh, platoon chief, which I like calling it out. Now, you may argue that tactically that was a bad idea to do that in the setting that you did it because it created an environment and consequences that, that didn't fix anything, you know. But what what about going to him behind the scenes? And this sounds freaking goofy and, and you know, silly, but you have to try something like you said it you can't overstep your chain of command in the military so you can be you can lead from within that that is step one but also you need him to do his job at some point like hopefully we can get that to happen so you have to go i mean talk to him talk to anybody that will talk to him however you have to do it and be like you're failing us do you care that you're failing us and have that conversation with him. And I know I'm not, I'm speaking out of turn here. I don't know how possible that even is or what the dynamics are, but I'm saying like it, it has to be called out because being quiet about it, he's definitely not going to be a better leader. Yeah. I mean, the, the big, the big issue is most, most of these individuals and in these leadership positions that are doing that are basically crapping on the people that they're supposed to be looking out for. And like, you know, building up, most of these individuals don't care. They they actually, all they care about is making themselves look good oh, yeah. so that Go they in. can reach the next level. Going right? and talking to them ain't going to change anything, but it's like you've got to try something. I mean, is that it's better than just sitting there being quiet. Then, then the same thing's just going to happen. Yeah. You can well, guarantee the same thing's going to happen. It's different, too, in the military versus the civilian world because the civilian world, you can oh, yeah. you can lead within, and eventually your leader's leader or your boss's boss is going to say, oh, this is falling apart here, and they're not productive anymore, and, and then he's going to start looking into it, and he'll realize who is actually doing the leadership work and keeping the morale up amongst the team and all of that. And maybe you'll get the spot maybe you want. You shouldn't do it for the spot. You should just do it because that's what should be done. But in the military, that probably doesn't work, uh, I wouldn't guess. Uh, I, oh, mean, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. What would I do out here in, in this life in, in a situation with a poor leader? I would not work under poor leadership out here. Yeah. I, I just wouldn't that's do it. What like, I'm getting I like mean, I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even maybe I would try to 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 make change but dude I would just find another job. It's not always that easy. Some people have worked their whole lives towards a career in something specialized and then you get a new boss or like all these big hospitals are like I know you're going to say there's always a way so it's not that simple for a lot of people. And so I think the question was not when I have poor leadership I'm just going to quit. The question was how do would you guys make the best out of poor leadership? And also, it's gonna suck. It's it's just gonna if if you don't have everything comes everything comes down. If somebody has legitimate a, a legitimate leadership position where they have control over what you can 
and and can't accomplish, it's gonna freaking suck. Well, something's like, gotta change. Yeah, I mean, like that—that's ultimately what I'm getting at. Is like you have to, what you can do when that's the guy is try to change it somehow. I mean that that's that's what you have to start trying to do, and it may seem impossible, but like you're gonna have to like just being quiet is not gonna change poor leadership. It's just gonna keep doing what it's doing. Yeah. It's not gonna fix itself, so you have to try to change it. And it, it, you may say, well, that's you don't know what you're talking about. That ain't gonna work. Well, neither is being neither is sitting there and doing nothing either. You're right. You're right. What do you think, Blake? I mean, I, I don't think so. If you have poor leadership. Like they said, it's gonna suck, but that shouldn't that shouldn't change or dictate who you are. So if if you're a leader, if you are see where someone else is failing, then you either have to feel that or or try to correct the problem. I mean, if if it was me, I would try to pick up where the leader was failing in hopes that I could feel that for the rest of my team because it's not just you that's suffering under the, the leadership. It's the rest of your team. I mean, he's a leader of multiple people. So I would fill in on behalf of the other people trying to meet that need that he's not giving. And, I mean, every situation is so different, but to speak at it to it in general terms, that's, I mean, that's what I would do, try to pick up where he's, where he's leaving off because there's everyone else suffering too. It's not just you. I yeah, like, that's true. I liked the other question that was kind of wrapped up into this one, and I already got away from it, but like kind of on the same lines, kind of you can go outside of a job or the military, but like how do you like honor and somebody that you don't respect? You know what I mean? That that's a, I, That is a good question. And, you know, I, I, I'll just keep going back to the example that I've already brought up with, with my with my old chief um as i you know think back on that situation you guys might hear me talking about this individual like like he like i i hate him and uh, you know this and you know i resent him and 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 maybe at the time i did because it was because i was immature um but as i look back on that man i, I realize this dude he like in all reality I have to take into consideration that no matter how terrible this guy is, there's a certain aspect to it in this in the, in this specific situation that it wasn't his all his fault. Like this guy was a broken human, and probably the reason that he that he's not doing a good job is because. He didn't have anyone to ever mentor him and teach him. He he didn't have those things in his life. He he and he's been subject to trauma and and crazy things that th this guy's mind was essentially broken. And well, he was probably under poor leadership too. Yeah, exactly. And and as I look back on it, I can look at this individual and say I can truly say like Yes, he was selfish. Yes, he wanted to make himself look good and he wanted to make everybody else look bad. But that's all he knew how to do. And I can truly say that he was probably doing the best he could mm. with what he knew how to do. 
right? With what he had been taught, with how he had been mentored, with what he had seen. He was part of a broken system, which broke him down. And now he's in this position and he's just doing what he knows how to do. And it's like, I, I can have compassion for this guy, man. I can also have compassion for this guy because I'm not a perfect leader either. Like, there's been tons of times in my life where I've shown up bad as a leader. Um, there's been long spans in my career where I hadn't, if I would have been put in charge of an entire platoon, like, I would have struggled really bad and screwed a bunch of crap up. Like, so you got to have be able to have compassion for people, even if they're doing a terrible job and even if they are selfish and even if they, you know, are consumed with making themselves look good, like we are all to a certain degree, a product of our environment, a product of, of what we've been taught and what we've seen. And, um, you know, there's so many bad habits that Brooke and I have in our own lives, even aside from leadership, where we can look at the way we view things, like the way we view money, the way we view uh, time, the way we view all kinds of different things, bad habits. And we can, if we're smart enough, we can directly identify that bad habit to the way we were mentored by our parents. All right, bad and good habits. Like we are products of how we were mentored. Now, yes, you should identify those things and you should strive to change those things about yourself. But nonetheless, to a certain extent, you're a product of your environment. So do I hate this guy? No, man, I have compassion for him. And I feel like I can, when you, when you think about it in, in those terms, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a more a mature way to look at other people and think about other people. Well, I'm wondering, do you think you should show respect to somebody that you don't respect, that has not earned your respect? Because, see, I, I lean towards no. I lean towards I want this person to change. I want this person to lead this better. I'm not going to – I mean, I don't – I'm not just going to fake show show respect to somebody that I don't respect. You're not going to change them either, though. We, there was this podcast. Me and Chad had such a great conversation on it. And he just said it. It was this lady um, who had a podcast. And it kind of made me, I was like, this is bull crap. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh. She was like, what if you chose to go around in your every day, all the time, and just assume the people around you were doing the best that they could do with what they've been given? And my initial response was, I think, what you're, I don't know. No, that's fine. But my, we're talking about respect, though. Yeah, but what I'm saying is ties into that. It's like what Chad was saying, like if you fight back against that and if you demand and you point out and you speak up, generally that's not, if people are going to change, which is unlikely, it's not going to happen by those means. So like if you treat them like they're doing the best they can, you're going to treat them with respect and kindness and like a whole person not like an F up who's not doing their job. I don't know. Yeah, and that kind of ties into why are you, do you want the person to lead better and be a better person because you care about them or because you care about the situation you're in and it sucks serving under a leader? 
if you really care about the person, then your approach is going to be different than if you care about yourself and the team that they're failing. Yeah. I mean. Well, that, well, that's getting into like the actual details of how you treat them. I'm not saying you treat them bad, but that's why I'm saying we're talking about respect. Like someone that doesn't earn your respect shouldn't get it. What does that look like to you, though? Like if you don't respect somebody, how would how would your behavior towards them change versus if you do respect them? In a position like the one Chad's talking about, it, I mean, it literally just comes down to how you show respect is what I'm talking about. Not like you're a you're a jerk to him and you don't whatever. You still have to obey right, orders. Right, right. You still have, but but like when you would have to. It would have to, opportunities would have to present themselves, like it would just have to play out. But whenever it was time to show, show respect or give, give respect, I'm just not doing it. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going out of my way to, to make this person feel like they have my respect because they haven't been. They're not doing the job. They're doing a job that's disservice to everybody that's under them. And whether that's doing the best they can or not, hey, you're still a human. But like in this context, if you're not, if you're failing, you're failing, and that can't keep happening. Yeah. I mean, even if you're doing the best you can, and and you're failing, it's still a failure. I mean, I'm not. You know, you don't feel sorry in that in that context. You know, this is such a big topic and there's so many books out there on leadership and navigating, you know, navigating through situations and bad leadership and, and what you should do and all this, man. Like, just like, I've got to just cut to the chase on this, though, so we can move on to another question. I, I will tell you the, the reality Um of what I of what I would do if I was serving under bad leadership. Yes, I would first make an effort to potentially have a conversation with the person or potentially change something about uh, the construct of, of what is happening. But ultimately if if that could not happen for whatever reason, I'm I'm going to leave. I'm gonna find somewhere else to work. Like you have op opportunity out here is endless. Like, let me just cut to the chase to this. Like, I'm not going to continuously work a freaking job with somebody who's in a position of power, who's dictating my ability to accomplish the mission in a terrible manner. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to find somewhere else. Well, which is essentially what I mean by stop showing them respect when they don't deserve it. Yeah. You leave, you're not showing I'm them. I'm just going to leave. And, and I, I hear you when you say, well, not everybody can just leave. Well, that may be the position you're in. And and that's why they're asking the question like, well, I can't just leave and I've still got to do it. Well, then there's, <laughs> that's when you go back to the harsh reality of what Chad said earlier. <laughs> it just sucks. Yeah. I mean, you have to be constantly finding the way the way out. Well, but really, if you this, can't just leave, work work yourself into a position where you can leave. Like that should be your goal. I agree. But at a deeper root, 
we're talking about this at a job. What if you're married to somebody and you don't respect your wife anymore because or your of, parents or your parents or or well, somebody that you can't just thing. leave? So we're talking about how do you respect someone that doesn't deserve respect in the job situation? Yeah, just leave if the poor leader and you don't like it and you don't feel like you should be there and just leave. But surely what the guy's asking is a deeper question, not how do I'm at work and I have bad leadership. Should I leave or not? Yeah, it was so it was two questions and actually the one about respecting people who don't don't deserve respect said nothing about a job. Yeah. It just seemed relevant. So yeah, I'm sure that they are alluding to something more along the Well, if you're in those situations, brother, if it's with your family member or your wife or something like you you're going to ha- you got some hard work ahead of you, man. Like you're going to have to get get busy uh, of of uh, of getting these working through these things and whether that looks like you guys finding uh, a mediator to help you know facilitate that conversation and to get these things out there to where you guys can work through them you're going but if you're stuck in that situation in, in your in your personal life with your spouse or somebody like that like you got some hard work to do and you can't just not do the work. You're going to have to do the work. Yeah, your commitment level changes in those situations. Those are totally different things. Yeah. Like, you have more. Your role is a lot different. So, I mean, that's how it changes. Bouncing back real quick, Kelly and I were walking the other day, and I was talking about, I randomly started talking about um, my first big girl job, which was tractor supply. And... I had some terrible leadership in retail and restaurants, but I was telling her about some stuff we used to do, and I learned so much from that poor leadership, like so much. I learned like what kind of leader I would like to be. I I saw things that worked and didn't work, and I learned how to be part of a team that I didn't agree with like 90% of what they do because I feel like Good leadership is is also kind of gray. Like, like you might think a good leader looks different than I think a good leader looks. So really, there is no, like, one-size-fits-all, this is good leadership. There are qualities, but it, it's different, you know? Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, to wrap this, this conversation about leadership up, you can also be thankful for the times that you – did you were working a job or you were doing something you can be thankful for those times when things weren't going smoothly right because you're going to learn a lot in those times so if you're if you are in a position right now where you have someone above you that's making things miserable um really step back and take a moment to appreciate that don't don't plan to stay there forever Obviously, be looking for your out or some way to change the situation, but appreciate what you're going through because you're going to learn a lot. Finally, in the very end of of my time in the teams, the best guy I ever worked for was Brandon Tucker, my chief, Brandon Chief Brandon Tucker, and the guy was awesome. He did he did everything that that you could think of in terms of taking care of his team and accomplishing the job that needed to be accomplished. And I mean, 
But if I would not have had the experiences that I had had prior to working for Brandon, because when I worked for Brandon, everything was good. Everything was, everything just worked. It was good, man. Like I, I wouldn't have learned anything from that if I wouldn't have had my prior experiences before then working for Brandon and being like, oh man, I see him doing this. I see him doing this. I see him. This is why everything is good. It's not, it does, this doesn't just happen. Things aren't just good all the time. Right? Yeah. Because if, if you don't have those prior experiences and you haven't been to school or training or read a million books, how do you know what good leadership is? Like just you layman person, like, you know, it takes a long time to figure it out. Yeah. Like people, I'm sure and a lot takes of people, real world experiences to yeah, real freaking misery, yeah. misery to figure it out. I think a lot of people step into jobs and butt heads with their bosses for a lot of reasons and think they're a poor leader. And that might not, you know, sometimes leadership is uncomfortable. And I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people. Oh yeah. People want to blame. Yeah. People want to, people, people want to blame. I Look, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming anybody here. I didn't think you were. Yeah. I, I mean, I was who I was and I made the, the mistakes that I made, no matter whether or not they were influenced by lack of mentorship or lack of leadership or whatever, I don't care. I, I don't try to assess how much of the mistakes I made were influenced by my lack, by, by my leader's decisions. I made the freaking mistake ultimately. And that's my fault. And yeah, I'm, if you think, if you think you can just be poopy pants and, and just play the blame game because it makes you feel good and you just, you're cool with sitting in a, you're cool with sitting in your own little, you know, your own little puddle of, of pity and just blaming it on whoever's above you. No, man. Okay. I got two more questions. Is that cool? Yeah. So just keep that in mind. This one is for all three of you guys. Um, it's from Quilty Covers. It says, as someone who is teetering on the edge of Christianity, what first steps would you advise? I'm going to start with Chili. Uh, I think his name is Reese, I think. His actual name. I don't want to misquote that, but you may not can find it, but I think that's who it is. Shout out to my boy. He... Uh, Teetering on the edge, and what? And he asked, "What are the first steps?" Yeah, what are some first steps you would advise? Well, I would, uh, I would keep it concise and just say, "You're taking the first steps by what you just said, and don't don't short sell yourself with that uh, by by thinking that you haven't taken any steps because you're clearly." thinking about it you're even asking a question like that uh so i would say the next steps is to is to continue to do those things is to ask seek and knock i mean i really have as far as what he asked i have no other thing to say i mean i think i think um that's really all you can do So, got Blake, Brooke. Yeah, I would say the same thing is that you have to actually do the work. So, 
asking, seeking, knocking, just like Chili said, but that means getting in. If you have a, well, like, why are you teetering on the edge of Christianity? So there's something that you're questioning in your mind. So what is that question? Seek it out. The God tells us, ask, seek, knock. He's saying, ask, Chad said it in the speech on, uh, on Saturday at, at the church and ask the hard questions. If he didn't want you to ask the hard questions, he wouldn't tell you to ask, seek and knock. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know where it's at, but the Bible talks about our faith is, is worth testing. And so it's worth having. So if, if there's a faith that's, that can't be tested, it's no good because it'll just fold under the test. Right. And, and, our faith in Jesus is not that way. So I would say to hang in there, do the work, ask, seek, knock, ask the hard questions, seek out uh, answers for whatever it is, why you're question, questioning Christianity. You go first, babe. Yeah, along the lines of what Blake said, if if Jesus Christ was a fraud, he would he would have written in the it would have been written in the Bible. Shut up and do what I told you to do. Don't ask questions. He tells you to ask because there is an answer for the thing that's holding you up, right? So I agree with Blake a hundred percent. Um, I I also I don't I don't know you know what's going through your head. That that's a good foundational thing. What Blake and him said. I'm. I, and chili, I would add to that. Um, I would add to that, like there are no other answers. Like there, there, there's no other religious philosophy. There's no other belief system. There, there are no other answers to the problems that we have as human beings. Like, you cannot dispute what the Bible tells us about ourselves as humans. And you can sit and you can compare uh, the Bible and what God tells us about himself to other religious philosophies, and every other religious philosophy comes up short. The, the audacity of what the Bible says is unparalleled. It, it's the think about the things that the that God wrote in the Bible, like the audacity of saying God became flesh and bore the sin of all of humanity, died, was resurrected from the dead, and then literally when you repent and follow him he comes and makes his home with you lives in you and begins to conform you into his image like there's no comparison what let me what else are you going to like what other options do you have that solve the problems that you have as a human being every other option that you look at is going to have a hole in it it's going to have some shortfall. It's going to have something that doesn't completely fix. The Scripture is the only example. What we know of the real God of the universe in the Bible is the only example that provides the solution for every single thing that is true about humanity. 
What else are you going to believe? And if you choose to just believe in nothing, what the, your, your entire, what, this life is absolutely meaningless. Like, let's just be real right here. If you want to believe in nothing, your only other option is complete despair. The absolute absence of hope. You have no hope if you choose to believe in nothing. Everything in this life is absolutely meaningless. And if you choose to believe in something other than the truth that is the Bible, there will be a hole in that philosophy that you will never find fulfillment in it. You will never be complete in it. You will always be thirsty. And I don't know if this guy's question is he claims to have been a Christian and is now teetering on withdrawing, or maybe he hasn't been and he's teetering on. I mean, I guess it... He didn't really... It sounded more like he was teetering on becoming a Christian, but he okay. didn't specify. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess my last piece of advice is... is um, Dude, like from a real tangible answer, just go for it, man. It's very simple. Like in a tangible way, if you're teetering, like what what do you need to do? You need to turn away from your old self, look to Christ, accept what he says in the scripture about himself, receive the Holy Spirit, and he's going to do the work in your heart. Just go for it. Because your other option is despair. And, and you might say, despair, what are you talking about? Hopelessness, what are you talking about? Like, my life's pretty good. I have hope that tomorrow's going to be a good day. Well, you will ultimately find yourself in despair if you choose not to abide in the truth if you choose not to accept reconciliation to your creator, you will ultimately find yourself in despair when you're laying in a hospital bed somewhere and dying. There's no other choice. I, I, it's funny how we act like we have choices. But yet you can, yeah, I guess you can choose to believe in something else. But it's not going to complete the picture. That's what I think about it. I agree with Blake in a way that if you're teetering, first of all, my advice would be don't wait for some huge thing that's going to happen that you're going to feel some fundamental shift in your soul because that I don't think that happens for very many people. And also what you said, surround yourself with people if it's possible, I hope it's possible, who are willing to have hard conversations with you and who aren't going to judge you and who aren't going to be offended and who are safe to ask hard questions too. Um, lately, I've been going on a little dive into like creationism, Darwinism, the evidence, you know, for... I've been listening to debates, but I've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know, like a lot of the the mechanism behind what we believe, like the evidence for the flood and 
I know a lot of people don't need that and it would just be supplemental to their faith. But I think for, for the way my mind works, I need that stuff. Like I, I need to kind of understand it. So I don't know. I think, I just don't think there's any shame in seeking things out like aggressively, you know, and asking hard questions. But a lot of people won't be comfortable answering those hard questions because it will be offensive to them. And in the end, that go ahead, Chili. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, well, that's what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I do that constantly. I mean, he he. There's no shame in it. Maybe there is. I mean, I don't think there is either. But if yeah. if there is, like, I don't. I mean, I'm doing that now. Like, I ask myself hard questions all the time. I've told several people this. I'm not comfortable, if that's the right word, claiming something that I can't defend. So that's a constant process for me to be able to do that better and better over time with everything that I'm going to say that I believe. I mean, that's why I'm so, I mean, that it doesn't, yeah, I mean, he, he, he should be able to hopefully hear me say that and be like, Oh, okay. That's, I mean, not make him feel better, but make him. It's never ending by the way, you know, connect with that. The last thing I want to hit on this too, it, it go, this goes back to when, when I was just talking about um, earlier, I, I don't want to leave this out. This goes back to the, the question we hit a while ago about the individual who said he feels like a fraud. I want to tell you another another thing here. You need, you you have no we talk about choices. You have got to put your identity in Christ. If you are feeling like a fraud because of something, some worldly thing, some some failure, some something you didn't achieve, what whatever, not deploying in the that tells me something about you. That tells me that you are putting your identity too heavily into something of this life. Like we talk about Christ solving the problems that we have as human beings. Here's another problem that Christ solves. I put my identity in Christ. That is the only way to 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 stand in this life. If you are putting your identity in your either your accomplishments, your own accomplishments, your failures, if you are putting your identity in your own ability, you will not make it. It will eventually crumble on you. That is how weak we humans are. You do not have the fortitude to put your identity in your own accomplishments. You do, and, and you're completely wrong if you put your identity in your failures. This is another problem that Christ has solved for us as humanity. We become new creations in Christ, which means your entire identity is in Christ. A lot of people say, Brooke made a post about me the other day. She said, you know, it's something like this. 
Chad continues to put himself out there in front of the world, even though people crucify him for all of the for for his mistakes, past, present. I said perceived mistakes. Perceived mistakes, or or even actual mistakes. But I continue to put myself out there in front of the world. You know why I'm able to do that? And why you can't beat me? Nobody can beat me. You know why? Chili's beat you. Because, no, I'm saying you cannot crush me. No one can stop me. It is... It is only because my entire identity is in Christ. When that happens, who, like, you become unstoppable. I have something to say, too. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, how, how do you, when you're telling people to do that, how do you do that? Does that happen as, as soon as you accept Christ, or is that a process? Ooh, this kind of <laughs> ties into what I was going to say. It, it's, uh, it's a... He's not going to let me say it's it. A, it's a under, it's a, like understanding. It's just understanding what God tells you. Like, he, he tells you this, but you don't, you overlook it. He, he tells you that you are dead, and you are a new creation in me. And when you understand why he tells it's he tells you that because of this. Yeah. That's one of those interesting things though that seems like no matter what they believe or what they do or that, that they can't it's like that identity issue remains. And it's interesting to me. I don't Well Yes, maybe in it, yes, definitely. I don't think it is a a, a switch that flips yeah. in your head right when you receive Christ. Right, so my identity in my identifying in Christ has become stronger and stronger and stronger. And as I've walked with Christ longer and longer and longer, because my experiences in life. It's coming to these points where you hit this wall where you feel like you're about to be crushed and you say, you have to then in that moment say, oh, wait just a minute. Uh, okay, this is what it feels like to not be able to stand on my own. And then you, then you say, oh, I remember now, I, I'm a new creation in Christ. Like, my identity's in Him, not in this thing, right? And so every time that happens, every time you get that reminder, it's, it, you get more. And here's the thing, the Holy Spirit, the whole time, this is part of conforming you into the image of Christ. So, yeah, it doesn't happen all at once. It's not this all of a sudden complete and permanent thing. For me, it's been over a span of time where I identify more and more and more as a, as a child of God and a Christian and nothing else. I like what what you're saying. I'm kind of... So say... I'm going to ask this question, but don't go off because I want to say something else. If Reese today just proclaimed, I believe that... Jesus is the son of God and he came and died for our sins and I am a Christian. Say he's still dealing with a lot of doubts 
and a lot of thoughts and he's still got a lot of questions. Is he a Christian in that moment? Even though he's still grappling with a lot of things. Yes. He doesn't feel settled. Yeah, I, I, can't not, go, I can't go off. You said you wanted to say yeah. something else. So what I want to say ties to that. Do you do you think so yes? Well, I don't I don't I don't know. Uh that that kind of gets to our uh, well, a question that I have about the mechanics of salvation and all of these soteriological questions. And Why? I won't, I won't Why? No, no, no. no I'm not going. Christ, the Bible makes it clear. No, all no. those who call on the name of the Lord are saved. Well, she what, said, what is there on top of that? She said, if he says it. Yes. Well, it, it, it's what the Bible it, says. It says you have to believe it. You can say something without believing it. And I can say anything I want right now. I don't mean I believe it. This is a great time for me to read. That's what I'm getting at. This is a great time for me to read this little bit out of Mere Christianity that I have played six times over and listened to because it made me feel like I was a Christian. Because C.S. Lewis, I look up to him as like one of the Christians. I know that's not real. That's just how I feel about it, right? He's an awesome teacher. Yeah. So he wrote, I'm bad at reading stuff, so y'all forgive me. He said, now faith... In the sense which I am here using the words is the art of holding on to the things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. When he said in spite of your changing moods, I was like, my ears picked up. He says, for moods will change whatever view your reason takes. I know that by experience. Now that I am a Christian, I do have moods in which the whole thing looks very improbable. Loved that. But when I was an atheist, I had moods in which Christianity looked terribly probable. This rebellion of your moods against your real self, the identity that you've been referring to is how I'm connecting it. This rebellion of your moods against your real self, your identity in Christ is going to come anyway. That's why faith is such a necessary virtue. Unless you teach your moods where they get off, you can never either be a sound Christian or a sound atheist, but just a creature dithering to and fro with its beliefs dependent on the weather and the changing of your digestion. He tried to make a funny, but I love that. Like he gave me, he said that he has changing moods. He said there are days that he wakes up and he thinks that Christianity seems improbable. And I have that all the time, but there's this, the rest of this chapter is fantastic, by the way, um, if you want to go check out that book. But he, he gave me peace in the fact that I can say I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus to other people. But there are days that I wake up and I'm like, how did they get all those animals on the ark? Oh, that sounds really outlandish to me. I'm not too sure about that. Like that doesn't take away the fact. That doesn't take away my salvation or my credibility as a child of God. That, that's Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. That's required reading. If you're going to listen to this podcast, that's required reading. It's good. Or listening. Brooke listens to it. I would say to this guy, too, that I've been thinking about this a lot. The Bible says multiple times that nobody comes to the Father except by the drawing of the Holy Spirit. It says in John 15, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And in many other places it says that. And so... I would say that you're probably teetering on the edge because the Holy Spirit, I mean, this is just making, you know, I'm maybe making a, an assumption here. You'd have to consider your own heart, but you're make, you're having this because the Holy Spirit has drawn you. And then you begin to seek out these answers, which give you enough assurance 
that you can have faith to believe what the Bible says is true. And you believe what the Bible says is true despite your feelings, going back to what you said. So when once you determine, okay, I've had these experiences, I've, I've searched out the evidence, I have faith, yes, I believe Jesus, and then you wake up tomorrow and you say, oh, gosh, what about that? I don't, I don't know about that. Then you lean back on what you know to be true and you say, well, it doesn't really matter how I feel today because I know in a, with a clear head that these things were true because of, again, what I searched out, the experiences in my life. And so I'm going to believe that it's true even today, though I might be questioning whether it's true or not. So that doesn't determine your salvation based on how you feel about that. And I wanted to tell this guy, maybe that's the drawing of the Holy Spirit because we see this is not just a thing that we decide, oh, I'm going to pick you, Jesus. I've searched out all these religions. I picked you. You're searching out all the religions because he picked you. Mm-hmm. You're just deciding whether you want to respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit or not. If we, we do have a choice, it says choose life or choose death. It says that in the Bible. So therefore, we have a choice. And so you're searching those out in an attempt to choose the the right thing and that's the way i see it i don't know maybe that doesn't make sense to him or not but i think it's important to note that that's stuck out to me a lot in people talking about salvation and the way it's pitched in today's world that it's just like you know hey if you want it come down and just say this thing you know like maybe you don't feel led to say it but say it anyways you know this what you just said and there's a huge parallel in that faith journey to like when I first started going to therapy for panic attacks and anxiety and a lot of dark thoughts. And there are these pathways that you etch into your brain and we're created by God. So he created that, that part in us that works that way. Right. So it's like what you were saying about you choose like in therapy, I was going to choose to believe I was healthy, strong, powerful, capable, loved. And I would, that was my foundation. I would constantly have thoughts that went different from that, that big time different from that. But I would acknowledge the thoughts and I would be curious about them. And I feel like that's a good way to be about your thoughts that challenge your faith. You don't have to just say, Ooh, no, no, no. I don't want to think that you're allowed to be curious. What's what you're taught today is to not think that. No, don't, don't you dare ask that question. Right. So, so be curious, and if, if it's something that you can be curious about, do some research. You know, there's tons of stuff out there. If not, though, continue to work on those pathways, and that doubt, for me at least, over time with work and continuing that battle of a battle with your mind and your thoughts, it gets easier, and I think you said that. Like, your faith over time has just grown. Yeah. Um, and I, I, th- I think it, if you're working at something – that's just the natural thing that's going to happen, right? Well, your faith has grown in anything over time. The first time you sit in the chair, you might not be sure if it's going to hold you, but then it does. And then you can sit in it again, knowing, oh, this thing's going to hold me. And it's going to hold. And then you just plop down and you don't even care. And so the more you use things, so to speak, the more you serve God, yes, your faith will grow. And I think, I think that's biblical and logical. Yeah. Well... That was good Q&A. Thanks for uh, running us through that, Biscuit. I wanted to get to Caitlin's question, but it's it's a very deep one. 
do um do you do we got any questions from YouTube, Chili? I haven't looked through that. I just turned it on because I saw a super chat and I didn't want to miss it. And it was Brad, wasn't it? Yeah, it's his first super chat, man. <laughs> Ten bucks. He called me during the podcast. Brett, quit calling me on the podcast, man. I love you too, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you can uh, you can ask Caitlin's question real quick, baby. Thank you. Um, Kat said, with it being Holy Week, what does Jesus' sacrifice mean to each one of you? Well, I thought about that question because I saw it come through. Y'all know how my mind works. I do not look at days or weeks or anything. I, I don't do holidays, birthdays. I, I don't do any of this stuff. Um, I might participate in like a Thanksgiving dinner or something if I'm forced to, or like an Easter dinner if I'm forced to, but I, I think about this, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single day. There's not a day that goes by that I do not think about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, so Easter and these things to me are, are to me personally are pointless. They're, they're a, a, I don't know, something that we've all created as society, we've all deemed necessary society. I, I, that's my personal opinion. You can celebrate Easter. That's fine. What do they mean to me? It's, it's, it's liter it is literally is it's every, you can't you can't even it's everything like without the death and resurrection of Christ I am in complete despair that's why I have to think about it every single day so that is what defines who I am what I'm doing here and where I'm going. It defines everything about my life here on this earth and my eternal life. And I think that we should all reflect upon it on a daily basis. So that's what it means to me. So I saw that question. I thought it was a good question. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on the 3 to 7 podcast. Oh, someone wants to know when you're going to have kids. Next month. <laughs> About nine months from now. <laughs> oh, shut you your guys mouth. You are crazy, man. About nine months. What's it? March. All right. Got to look out. <laughs> Come around December, January. Ain't happening. Enough said on that. Bye. Have a beautiful little.